This program is brought to you by W. W. Norton and Company, publishers of Poetry Unbound by Patrick Otuma. Now in paperback and featuring immersive reflections on 50 powerful poems. to the guest editor Q&A hosted by the Academy of American Poets. I'm Mary Sutton, senior content editor at the Academy, and I'm here today with our guest editor for September, Unsung Kim. Unsung is the author of Gospel of Regicide. Unsung, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Mary. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you, especially for September. So let's jump I right know. in. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you approach curating Poem A Day for September? Um, so I approached curating, uh, I was really influenced by the kind of archival research that I'd been doing over the years, but particularly, um, like I visited the archives and spent some time at the archives for new poetry at UCSD, the University of California, San Diego. Um, but within the last two years, I've spent quite a number, I spent like time with um, Pat Parker and June Jordan's archives at the Schlesinger Library at Harvard. And um, particularly in Pat Parker's archives, I found a series of letters from different poets, um, everyone from Willis Kim to news newsletters um, from Meryl Wu. And I just really became interested in how poets spoke to each other and the kinds of communities that they created that I just didn't know about, like all these sort of um, what Grace Hong and Rod Ferguson call strange affinities, like affinities that actually make a lot of sense, but they're not always necessarily um, publicly visible. And I um, wanted to sort of think about the overlapping of generations and how this overlapping um, has a lot of interest uh, in the kind of activism and politics that they shared. So as someone who was like interested in like the lives of poems, um, in addition to like how the poem is written, uh, I wanted to look for poets that were part of collectives, such as members of Unbound Feet, and then also poets who worked as um, translators and organizers on behalf of movements. Um, so someone like Mona Karim, who translated Octavia Butler into Arabic, and is also really kind of formative in her um, thinking about poetry and translation um, for political movements. Uh, yeah, so it's something that I was like thinking about. I also was thinking about um, the ways that like certain kinds of public conversations that are happening right now, like the, the various poets that are engaged in like conversations around like personal and institutionalized memory and like thinking about like the body in very material ways. Um, so I wanted to present the public with poets and poetry that um, tended to these public debates. Now, many of our readers and listeners will be very familiar um, with various poetry collectives, um, particularly those that are more 
widely well-known, such as the Greenwich Village scene, the North Beach scene that led to uh, the Beat Generation, the um, Black Arts Movement um, that also birthed a poetry scene starting in 1965, and more recently, you know, the Dark Noise Collective, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but Unbound Feet is a very different kind of collective. Could you tell us a little bit more about it and about its members whom you've just uh, briefly mentioned? Yeah, so um, in I came across actually Unbound Feet uh, posters and newsletters uh, first when I was studying Asian American literature in college, but I didn't really read that much more into their activities until uh, I came across a series of their reading flyers in Pat Parker's archives. And she's, she not only kept reading flyers of um, their events and about Unbound Feet very quickly was um, a group of Asian American performance artists um, and poets who had a very explicit position against US empire uh, most of the collective members identified as socialists and lesbians um, and anti-capitalists in particular, and were really thinking about how Asian American art um, coalesced and was integral to Asian American activism. So some of the um, newsletters that Pat Parker in particular kept were the ones sent to her by um, Meryl Wu, um, who uh, is a poet who works um, with figures like Audre Lorde, which I'm, I'm many are, are very familiar with against um, South African apartheid. They uh, wrote like a pamphlet together um, where Audre Lorde wrote the first part, like a first essay and then Mara Wu wrote like the second essay. Um, and uh, other members were Nellie Wong, who's a part of the September curation, and Willis Kim, who's a uh, Willis is not a part of the collective, but um, she was like in the vicinity of the community. Kitty Sue, who's also a part of the September issue. Um, there are other members of the collective, but um, I was able to reach out to a few of them. Um, they were vibrant and active for a short period of time, and then they kind of went off and did um, different things on their own. But I think that it's, um as you mentioned, like all of the ways in which like the Black Arts Movement gave uh, a way for different orientations of other collectives to form. I think like the, the, the sort of, um, it almost creates this kind of like ontology of various different poetic networks and communities. And, and I wanted to sort of think about that history because we're, because that history is really important to this present. Indeed. Kitty Sue, interestingly, went on to become a bodybuilder, which is not normal yes. for you, a mansion of poets, but, but that is a fun fact about Kitty. Um, if you could direct readers to one poem in our collection at poets.org that you haven't curated, what would it be and why? Okay, I feel like it's so clear that I'm like such a Pat Parker stan, so I want to just like say her name like maybe one more time, but in, pre in preparation of the this Q&A, I was looking at um, a poem that is on the site, her Pat Parker's um, poem titled Questions. Um, and in the poem, she has this line, to whom or what do I direct pain? And this is, um, this is a line that I really come back to often, uh, that I return to this again and again, like while reading the news and speaking to friends, family members, colleagues. 
this question of like, where do we redirect or direct our pain to? The poem um, sits with me in this kind of, um, on, on this level and makes me really wonder if the pain is not directed to those who cause the pain, but is it perhaps instead redirected elsewhere? And if so, um, do we know how that redirection actually happens? And so like, you know, not only do her repeated and unanswered questions, how do I break these chains? Um, that's her line from the poem. It remains a, a most salient question that I, I think is worthy of us, whatever that means of answering. But I think it it stands as a as a hopeful um, as as hopefully like a, a, an opening for those who do not know her work to read like all of the other uh, wonderful poems that she wrote throughout her life, um, including works like Don't Let the Fascist Speak and Brother and so many others. The poem that you mentioned uh, at the outset questions is timeless and I am going to echo you yes. strongly encouraging uh, our readers and listeners to check out that poem on our website. You know, Pat Parker is interesting to me because she is a black poet, an, an African-American poet particularly, who is not typically included in anthologies yes. of African-American poetry. And, and that's an oversight I don't completely understand. Maybe you know something that I, I don't, my, my suspicion is because she published most of her work with small feminist presses and also mm -hmm. because she also published most of her work, you know, a few years after the Black Arts Movement ended mm -hmm. 1975. So she isn't, she, she doesn't have the same um, currency uh, in that period that, you know, June Jordan and Audre Lorde do. She, she's someone who's very often uh, neglected, um, which, is, which is unfortunate, I think. Yeah, I would love a pep. Parker revival. If if um, those listening would like to continue to, you know, who would like to join us and sort of like speaking about her kind of constantly, I would love that so very much. Um, in her archives, I found like such fascinating artifacts. Like she gave so many political speeches that I believe are unpublished. So she's incredibly um, active uh, in on behalf of like organizing for transnational women's movements. Um, she was really sort of thinking through um, and working on behalf of like poor women in particular in the Bay. Um, and I don't think that that's an explanation, but I also like found things like she appeared on a television show that wanted to interview like lesbian women. And the reason that I, I read this part of the archive is like she wrote like a letter to the person who invited her and said like the reimbursements did not come fast enough which I do think is actually not a small detail because it's a reflection of the ways in which poets kind of um almost like put together uh or or, or all of the, the the details that goes into like living and she sort of was like writing this kind of formal letter as to like what it meant for her to what she had to do to appear on the show and how the show did not treat her with the same kind of respect. So she was very present and active um, in all kinds of political issues. And I think she would be really timely, timeless perhaps um, for, for everyone. Timely and timeless. I, I think you Yeah, timely. <laughs> timely and timeless. Yeah. So who or what are you reading right now? 
Oh, this is like such an impossible question because I want to like, you know, I, I, your expression right now, you're like, um, yeah, because I, there's so, I'm reading everyone who's going to appear in the September uh, folio. I should say that like everyone who is part of this folio, I return to their works, return to the work of um, like, you know, Sophia Sinclair, like everyone who, Sean Henry Smith, like, like these are people that I think about Wendy Sue like again and again um, but this summer I've been sort of sitting with the work of Patricia J. Williams in particular I returned to a series of lectures that she gave um, to the BBC uh, because I was reading her like latest book Giving a Damn which is like a longer essay um, and I have been reading the short story collection by Hisaya Yamamoto called 17 Syllables, which fun fact was published by Audre Lorde's Press, Kitchen Table. Um, so like all of these like networks once again. Uh, and then I'm, this, in addition to sort of having this like lifelong love for Pat Parker, I really love this um, Greek poet named Giannis Reese. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Um, but there's a poem of his that I read like uh, quite some time ago that's just titled Because, and I found it to be so captivating. And he was like a lifelong communist. He was so like, um, he thought through like politics and aesthetics in ways that I find to be like really meaningful. And these are questions that remain um, unresolved and his poetry is spectacular, so. Years ago, for a 2014 issue of American Poets, uh, former Chancellor Edward Hirsch recommended uh, the work of Ritzos, which he and Charles Simic included in their anthology, The Republic. So wow. In South American writers, Hirsch described Ritzos's uh, writing as historically oriented. So it, it makes yeah. a lot of sense that you would have that connection. Yeah. Yeah, his poems are fascinating in that, like, you can teach. I mean, I have taught that particular poem because by his to like fifth graders. Um, but you, there, there, it has this dimension where like younger readers will engage with his works, and then, um, as like you know, throughout the 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 sort of grades and years, you can sort of see different things in it again and again. And then as you read about his life and what he was thinking about, there are other dimensions that I think can be layered, so. So what are you currently working on in your writing, teaching and publishing life? Um, maybe I should say like I'm reading a lot of essays because I've been working on um, an essay collection that thinks about the literary and political history of like speaking positions. And this is related to the archival research I mentioned. Uh, and part of the sort of um, beginnings of the essays or beginning ideas of the essays were published in American Poets. Yay, edited by you, wonderful Mary. Um, the first part was on the work of Janice Mirkatani and June Jordan, their work on Poetry for the People. And then the second part, which will appear uh, very soon, I believe, um, will be on the friendship um, and network uh, between Willis Kim and Pat Parker. And then I've been spending the summer sort of prepping for the fall and what I will be teaching. So I'll be teaching a grad seminar and then 
I'm updating my syllabus endlessly for a class that I really like teaching called race and artificial intelligence, because it's just an ongoing conversation and every day something new happens. So yeah, I've been like reading essays, thinking about the lives of poets and, and then prepping to teach. Sounds exciting. On behalf of the Academy, I just want to thank you for all that you've contributed. Uh, in the oh, no. Especially this archival work, it's, it's so rich um, and there's so much to discover and rediscover. Yes, uh, and if listeners are interested in starting the Pat Parker revival with me, they should reach out to me because <laughs> I, would like, I would like this for this to happen. We can have a club, the Pat Parker yes. revival. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, Insung. Thank you, Mary. Poem a Day is the original daily poetry series featuring new poems by today's poets. Produced by the Academy of American Poets, this free digital series is made possible by you, our readers and listeners. Learn more about Poem a Day, and if you can, please consider supporting this work by visiting poets.org give.